If you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna. Hello, hello, Miss Annette. Hello, hello, Miss Myrna. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Good. We are grateful for Grangeville Christian Church here in Idaho to allow us to broadcast from here and for their internet and their little space right here, our cozy little space. Yeah. We make it cozy, I guess, huh? Yeah, they even cleaned it out. We got room now. We do. It was like a, a, a um, what do I want to say, storehouse, storeroom thingy. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners, thank you so much for being here with us today. And thank you for those that are listening on demand. We have numbers. And boy, do we have numbers. This is, I mean, we are so blessed. Aren't we blessed? Yeah. I mean, I just almost get emotional because you guys are out there. And I wish, honestly, I wish we could meet every one of you. I wish we could come to every city that's listening and just have like a dinner, a celebration or, you know, just sit down and talk. Hot tea and donuts. You drink coffee. I drink tea. I don't eat donuts. Well, then I'll eat the donuts. You can eat okay. whatever. Bring me some broccoli. Broccoli. Okay. <laughs> broccoli in the morning. So, but just thank you. I mean, it, it's very humbling. Very humbling. Um, <clears throat> all right. So. Well, well, we got a, we got a raw, raw, raw for Texas. That's right. Do it, we ever. I mean, Texas, you are our heroes. Good grief. I mean. Wow, look at their numbers. What was it, a thousand? For on demand, Richardson, Texas, you blew us out of the water. I mean, man. 1,559 listeners in September. That's amazing. Yeah. I just, thank you. We needed that. We needed that encouragement. Believe me. If we was making ribbons, they'd get the number one Mm -hmm. best listener. Of the show or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're still up there. And I mean, you're up there. So that's awesome. What's interesting. Everybody's got a lot of work to catch up with Texas. Texas, No lie. Everything's big in Texas. And that's the truth. (laughs) I went to Texas once Mm -hmm. and their bugs. One of them bit me and swelled my whole arm up. I said, the bugs are even bigger in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) They bite bigger, huh? Yeah. What's interesting is on demand listeners, we have. Salties, Montana. We've and they're they're new listeners. I've looked through all of our all of our um, listening um, numbers and names and all of that. I couldn't find Salties, Montana. And you all of a sudden you're there and you're a number two listener on on demand. Welcome and thank you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Number three on demand, Seattle, Washington. Welcome back. You haven't been. We haven't had any real numbers from Seattle since July. And um, on fourth place, Newsbury, um, excuse me, Newsbury Port, Massachusetts. You moved from ninth to fourth since, our, well, since we just did that. Moving from eighth to fifth is Spokane, Washington. Yay! And Mountain View, California. I don't know what happened to you, but you moved from second to sixth. I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, I know you can get the numbers up. I'm not worried about that. Come back, listeners. Come back. Yeah. And in the world, number one in the world, actually isn't China this time. It's in Moscow. Whoa. Yeah. Moscow moved from third to first and the, in Russian the Federation. And China, you moved from first to second. Come on, China. Mm-hmm. You've got to beat Moscow. No, no. China will remain second. I'm sorry, because the one that was, has held in the world, number one, all since since we began has been Dublin, Ireland. Mm-hmm. They actually moved from first to third. Whoa. Whoa. So Dublin, come on. I don't know what's going on over there, but we love you and, you know, increase your numbers for us because we want to do, you know, we want you as listeners. So that's for on demand, but man, hey, oh man. What, what's this about UK? Oh, we, 
number four, we want to recognize new listeners who are ranked number four. It is Odessa, Odessa Oblast in Ukraine. So that's number four of those are new listeners. Again, we have new listeners coming in and they are hitting up the rates. So old listeners, not that you're chronologically old. But you better watch out. Those new new new, listeners might come number one. That's right. They are packing out the numbers. And for live, guess who's number one on live? Me. Well, you're usually number one. I'm here all the time. You are here all the time. Except for on the third. Except when you're not here. (laughs) (laughs) Richardson, Texas, again, you're number one on live. And um, we haven't had listeners from the city that's rated number two since May. And they were rated in May number 24. Newark, New Jersey, you are number two in September. Phoenix, number three, you moved from second to third. Another new listeners. And I am so sorry, Nevada, if I, if I, in number fourth no, place. she will. If I mispronounce your name. She will. It, Pahrump, it's P-A-H-R-U-M-P. How else would you say it? Pahrump or Pahrump? I don't know. Somebody call us and let me know. Well, see, I'm not going to tell you because per, I per. won't. Say it wrong. Oh, okay. Because I won't say it at all. Okay, exactly. <laughs> so P A H R U M P, Nevada. No, Welcome. Wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Our okay. guest speaker, mm-hmm. I think he knows how to say it. Do you know how to say it? Shake your head yes or no. Oh, okay. Well, that is not <laughs> no. yes or no. <laughs> all right. Welcome back, Oklahoma City. You're at fifth and number one in the world on live listeners. You're holding your own, and that would be China again. So, Langkai, Langkai, China. And again, thank you so much for listening. You guys are an awesome, awesome, awesome support for us. Now, we've got all these people listening to us. Yes. How many of you guys are going to donate us a dollar? Yeah. To keep us on the air. Yeah. And some of you guys need to call in so we know you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Or email us at obdaddyhouse7. Well, I'd like it better Gmail. if they call in. I like talking to people. Mm-hmm. Yes, she does. Yes, I'm a talker. Yes, she is. Yeah. And you can donate where? Right there. Yeah, our website at obdaddygirls.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you go from there. <laughs> okay. On Facebook, you can go to godsgirl7.com. And on our host page for Voice America is abadaddygirls.live. Okay, oh, that so was easy. That was easy. Aren't you glad I did that? I'm so glad you did that. So <laughs> our website, abadaddygirls.com, there's a, there's a little tab there that you can donate. It'll take you there. Godgirl7.com is Facebook. And then Voice America host page, abadaddygirls.live. Do you see why we work together? I do part, she does the rest. <laughs> and then I do other parts. Right. And then I do other parts. That's right. So, so we get to our show today. <laughs> I'm kind of excited about it. I am too. Mm-hmm. That's mean I dragged him in here. You did. I mean, <laughs> we, he definitely didn't realize he was going to do that when he met us last Monday, did yeah. he? Yeah. He was, he was new to our, sh- to our, our company. Our Voice He's, America family. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. new to the family. He became our brother. And then I looked him in the eyes and said, what's your story? And he goes, uh, huh, huh. <laughs> and then he yes, told me. Yes. Yeah. Now he's going to be our, our great guest on our show. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And now Myrna, tell him, tell everybody who he is. Okay. So. I didn't want to take that away from you. Oh, okay. Our guest today, like we said, is a new member from, of, to our Voice America family, and he is a Michigan native, which I guess we're supposed to say, go blue. Blue, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I did it. I was waiting for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he enjoys spending every bit of extra time participating in anything with tennis, right? You know, maybe on my off times, but predominantly basketball. Oh, well, that's what I have here. <laughs> Reading and watching movies. What do you like to read? Um, predominantly basketball books. Um, one of my favorite books growing up was Hoop Dreams, which is a basketball book. Isn't this basketball? That's football. Sorry. Yeah, that's-, that's football. 
That it's football season. Yeah. That's football. Football se- basketball season just started Monday. Oh, it did? Well, I got to tell you something. I love basketball. Yeah. I don't oh. like football that much. Oh. Oh. We're going to get along great. I love basketball as well. Yep. All right. So George, he started his career off working in retail consignment until he perfected the art of shirt folding. I have a question again. Yes, ma'am. Do you still fold shirts like that? It's a habit that seems to never go away. Really? Shirts. We're going to get along great. (laughs) (laughs) What about sheets? Sheets Um, as well. I've even mastered the art of folding the elastic sheets as well. Fitted sheets? Yeah, the fitted sheets. There we go. When we come to Arizona, guess what I'm bringing with me? He's going to teach us. (laughs) The hands will be ready. All right. (laughs) Because that is definitely an art. It definitely is because I still haven't learned to fold my fitted sheets. (laughs) I just go like this and this and then roll it up and say, okay, there it is and put it on the shelf. Well, that's a start. That's a start. I put mine inside my pillowcases so nobody sees them. (laughs) (laughs) You mean people go through your linen closet? (laughs) How can they? Well, my granddaughter, when she comes. Mm-hmm. Yes, she goes in my linen closet. Okay. My grandbabies get in there. Well, they aren't looking for the fitted sheets. <laughs> my cat pulls my fitted sheets yep. out. <laughs> and it says here that you have sold everything from candy bars to satellite TV and to the Internet. Yes, What kind ma'am. of candy bars? The little Burger King candy bars. Um, they were Burger sponsored King by Burger King. King. They were a little chocolate and peanut butter candy bars that we used to go door to door knocking and selling, trying to get really? us a great trip to Disney World. So did you get one of it? Did you get a trip? Yeah, we actually did get our trip to Disney World. Yeah. I unfortunately wasn't the top producer that season, but I definitely contributed. All right. Never heard of it. Me neither. Must be a Michigan thing, huh? Uh Uh-oh. Well, when you guys come out here, I'll have some candy bars ready for y'all. All All right. (laughs) Does that mean you were going to have to go door to door and sell them or you're just going to let us eat them? I'm going to just sell you two ladies. Oh, (laughs) he's going to sell us. Okay. All right. So after some time of selling companies on how to find the right employee to hire, which would obviously be George, he decided to challenge himself and embark on a career that could lead him to help clients even after his initial job was done. And that's why you came to Voice America, an avid listener of radio shows and podcasts with the Knuckleheads podcast being your favorite. Why is Knuckleheads your favorite? Um, again, it's basketball related and oh. yeah, two of the, the, the hosts of the show, the hosts and the co-hosts are two of one of my favorite basketball players and Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson. So yeah. Oh, I, I, I knew that. Didn't you? Them. Yeah. Yeah. We knew that. I knew that. Sure. Oh yeah. Perfect. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Great show. Be, yeah. We were just gonna, just gonna quiz you on it. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. You all, you sure all, we were. Yeah. So you emerged your passion and knowledge into one and became an executive producer for Voice and, America. So, and here I am today. And here you are. Thank you for letting us round you up and tackle well, thank you. thank you, ladies, for having me. Mm-hmm. So. Once I seen your pretty little face, you look like a little angel. So I thought you had to be on our show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate <laughs> And I appreciate that my pretty little face has gotten me into some great places. <laughs> I bet so. So, go ahead. All right. So maybe um, let's start with when you were around mm, seven years old. Okay, let's go back. I know that's not that far off, right? Not that far. No. <laughs> A little farther for us. We won't tell you how far it is for us. No, no we'll just keep that our secret. It's only been five years for me. (laughs) Right. Really? Okay. You're 14. I can tell you ladies are as sharp as a tack. Yeah. We used some this morning, actually. Oh. All right. Yeah. All right. So, (laughs) and if it falls down, then you'll know where we used it. All right. So, you said, no, seriously, let's get, seriously, when you were seven years old, you, and this is, these were, these are your words, you had a weird feeling about the dad figure who was raising you can you just kind of elaborate on that yeah that's a good word elaborate on that yeah so I mean basically um the person that I I believe to be my my father figure um I I I couldn't necessarily see any similarities between us um 
one major thing about me is I'm, I'm a, I drink milk like by the gallon almost. I go by a gallon of milk in a day or two. And, you know, some for some reason, um, being that I was a heavy milk drinker, I just naturally assumed that my father would be one as well. And he wasn't like this. This gentleman didn't drink milk at all. Like he wasn't what he chose to drink. And I know that seems like something that's so small. But for me, that was just that was the beginning. And it just made me start to really open my eyes and, you know, um, just different things that that were going around on around us. Um, I just ne wouldn't necessarily agree with. Um, yeah, he yeah, it was, it, we, we had some some great times and growing up and I grew up in Michigan, by the way, that's why we said to go blue mm -hmm. and and I grew up in a small town called Grand Rapids. And then if anybody's ever heard of Grand Rapids, Michigan, everybody pretty much knows everybody out there. So as I'm growing older and as I'm getting older, I'm developing certain type of features that's not resembling the person who I believe to be my father. So as my features started to change, so did my questioning of who my father was. Okay. So did you not feel very close to the guy that was raising you? I did actually, coincidentally, I, I actually, I did feel pretty close, but it was just, it was a, it was a uncomfortable, not necessarily an uncomfortable feeling, but whenever I said the word dad or whenever I was speaking the word dad, it just, for me, it just didn't feel comfortable. Something, something about it, it was just, it was just different. And so um, being, again, like I said, since Michigan was such a small town, there were or Grand Rapids was such a small town. There would be times where um, I would either be going to school or I would just be out and about at different places. And I would have different people come up to me and tell me as a, as a young kid of how I resemble somebody else who they possibly met, but they don't necessarily want to say too much information. So, you know, just growing up hearing different stuff like that, it just makes you begin to question. And yeah, I, I eventually decided to just go ahead and ask my mom, like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with you telling me the truth. If this person is not my father, like, please just enlighten and let me know. And that's what happened. And she told me that that wasn't my father. About how old were you when you asked your mom? I, when I first, <clears throat> when I first initially asked her, I was seven years old. And when I asked her at that point in time, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a, a direct answer that I got. But it was enough of an answer for me to, to, to take that and say, OK, this person may not be my father. And then again, as time is slowly progressing and I'm getting older now, when I get around the age of about 15 or 16, now I begin to really demonstrate certain characteristics of the person who's my biological father. And at that point in time, I'm, I mean, it was almost as if my mom just couldn't contain um, delivering some of the information. And so at that point in time is when she slowly started telling me more and more about um, the person who was actually my father. How did it feel <clears throat> at seven when you when your mom told you that and then as you progressed into your teen years, how did that influence you? Um, it felt it felt off for the fact that I knew that there was a person out there who was supposed to be my biological father. Yet from the time I was seven to so when I eventually had the opportunity, I never I didn't know where he was and I wasn't able to find or locate him. So my whole problem from the time I was seven up until I was getting older is how come, you know, nobody tried to connect me to this person or, you know, how come this person maybe didn't reach out to me or so from the time I was younger and getting older and progressing, my whole thought process was to just figure out why the person who is my dad, who there are people telling me we look similar, we have different similarities why isn't this person actually trying to reach out and maybe trying to connect with me as well were you because <clears throat> we're both mental health providers and in these situations sometimes you get really angry mm -hmm. um did was there any anger and if so towards whom um there definitely was anger um and i think that was a problem because i didn't know necessarily where to direct the anger to Mm -hmm. um, I didn't necessarily know if it was um, my mother's fault for me being in that situation, mm -hmm. if it was my father's fault for me being in that situation, even if it was a chance that it might have been my fault 
for being in that situation. Mm. So I was just angry in general for just not having a person who was a major part of my life and, uh, you know, a part of my DNA to not be around. And I was, it was just an anger because I also have a, a younger brother by my mom and he has his dad, like he knows his biological dad. So as time is going on and I'm seeing him and his relationship with his father, it just kind of makes me figure, try to figure out why I can't have the same relationship with my own. And I think that's mm-hmm. the root of the anger. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so does that mean that you acted out a lot? Believe it or not, if you were to ask my mom, she was just, she was said tell you that I was probably the, the best kid she expected to have. Like <laughs> I definitely was a, a, as a good kid. Um, and the reason being, my mindset was that if I acted in a great way, or if I, you know, got good grades and maintain, um, you know, great grades throughout middle school, high school, different things like that, that somehow, I don't know, maybe magically some doors would open up and I, it'll lead me to the path to finding who my actual father was. I was just always of the mindset that me getting into trouble was going to hinder me from possibly meeting that person. So I didn't want to put myself in any type of situation that would take me away from being present to meet him if that time was to ever arise. Wow. That's a pretty mature um, decision there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it was it definitely was a decision that was made, though. When I when I was younger, I definitely told myself, no matter what you do, no matter, you know, what temptations and things like that, that you're about to face, like, you have to try to stay on the straightened path in case the opportunity like that to, to see your dad or to meet your dad is there. If you're always in trouble or always grounded or, you know, away from opportunities, then maybe that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Wow. So did you grow up in a particular faith or anything like that? Um, yeah, we grew up actually of the uh, the Muslim faith uh, mm-hmm. under the nation of Islam. And so, yeah, we definitely are, are heavy believers in that. And um, that was another thing, you know, through through faith and religion. Um, I figured having a stronger faith in, a reli- in religion would also bring about a way for me to um, connect with my dad earlier, you know, being more spiritual and things like that. But unfortunately it did not pan out that way at that time mm-hmm. so how'd you feel about that uh unfortunate um unfortunate just for the simple fact so um i grew up in grand rapids michigan and i moved to i want to say phoenix arizona when i was maybe around 10 and the problem for me was that whenever i would go back to visit in michigan um and and that that also contributed to why i never wanted to get in trouble because I got to go back and visit Michigan each and every summer. But if I was in trouble, that was going to take that opportunity away from me. So I didn't want to do that in the case that one of those visits, I could possibly bump into my my father. So I definitely didn't want to mess that up in any way. But um, coming out to Arizona and then going back to Michigan each and every year or, you know, whenever school breaks allowed me to um, and still not making any progress or not seeing the person that I'm expecting to see or I'm looking for or you mm-hmm. know, nobody giving me the information on how to find this person. Um, yeah, it just started making me a little less motivated to 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 go forward and, and to pursue it. Did you ever feel hopeless or defeated? Because you're I mean, you are searching and searching and it's almost like every day you woke up exp- wanting to say or wanting to see, all right, is today the day? Yes, um, I, I, I did actually feel hopeless. There was a time where uh, I, I found out actually where he was located and where he was. And I, uh, I tried reaching out to him and uh, I, I wrote him a letter and I hadn't received anything back. Um, uh, years had went by and I hadn't received anything back. So and this was when I was around 25 years old. So mm-hmm. when I wrote that letter and I didn't receive any type of information back from him, my immediately my immediate thought was, okay, so from the time that I was seven up until now, I've been looking for this person, but this person has not been looking for me at all because mm-hmm. he hasn't responded. So at that point in time, I gave up. I was, I, I figured that maybe it just wasn't meant for me to have mm-hmm. that relationship. And I guess at that point in time, I was just going to be content with whatever those results were. Okay. So why did you move? To, we're going to backtrack a little bit. Why did you move to Phoenix at age 10? What moved you there? 
Um, so my mother was very close to our grandparents and our grandparents moved from Michigan to Phoenix oh, okay. um, because of the weather mainly um, at mm-hmm. that age the the storms and the winters in Michigan just weren't mm-hmm. good for their bodies mm-hmm. and their health issues yeah so moving to Michigan to Arizona was just the best thing for them to do and my mom was actually going to school to become a nurse so you know naturally she's close to them she decided that she wants to move out to Arizona as well so that maybe okay. she could take care of them. Okay. So everybody moved out to Mich- to Michigan then. Yeah. So my okay. grandparents did. My grandfather and grandmother did. Mm-hmm. And once they moved, then it was my mom, myself, and my younger brother. Okay. So the man that was that had raised you wasn't in the picture anymore. No, I mean he was in the picture, but more of a a co-parenting type of uh, okay. situation. Okay. Do you feel like he ever treated you differently than he did your brother? No. Um, and we actually, that's the thing. We actually have uh, separate dads and, mm, okay. um, mm-hmm. when he, he never, the, the person I believe to be my father never treated me any different and never treated me in a way that would make me want to actually go and pursue a different type of relationship or look for that biological father. But for me, that was the more puzzling thing about it. Like why, why is there somebody that's out there who is actually my biological father? Um, I don't, I, to me, myself, I don't feel like I'm a bad kid. My mom would tell you that I was a great kid. Mm-hmm. So why is there a person who's not my biological father willing to spread all this love and, and family, uh, family mm. situations and stuff around me, but the person to believe to be my actual father is nowhere to be found. And so that, that actually kind of tore me in between because I just couldn't figure out of how basically I was just put in a situation where this is not my family, which I completely love and enjoy. But at the same time, I, I feel like every child needs to know that right parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it took, so it was basically 18 years. You searched for your dad, wrote the letter and gave up. Correct. 18 mm-hmm. years, 18 years. Yeah, Do you ever see your surrogate father now? Yeah. Um, uh, not as often, but yeah, I still see him. Um, again, everybody is still back in Michigan. So the only time I really get opportunities to go see anybody, whether it's uh, the biological father or not, everybody's in Michigan. So I have to somehow, you know, figure out a, a way to get out there. Um, but no, it's, it's sort of a, a sticky situation right now. Just, you know, growing up that whole time, believing that, you know, one person was, you know, your father and, come to find out that that's not the actual way it was. So for me, it's just a little sticky situation. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't, I don't really necessarily know how to, how to feel when it comes to um, approaching, approaching the person who I believe to be my father and having that type of conversation and, you know, informing that person that I, you know, I know all the, the truth and everything like that. So that's kind of where I'm at as a standpoint of trying to figure out a way to approach that situation. Mm-hmm. So are you, you chose to stay in Phoenix with, with grandma and grandpa? Then? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Phoenix mm-hmm. is, I, I believe it or not. I mean, I, I love it in Phoenix. Um, it, it's quite, quite different from Michigan. If, if uh, yeah. Michigan, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, outside of the scenery, the green and everything you see out in Michigan, um, Phoenix is a complete different atmosphere, but I think growing up, you know, not necessarily having the person that I was longing for or looking for, Phoenix was almost like the right place for me to be because I didn't necessarily um, have to look at a family who I thought was real life family and really wasn't. I just, I basically had a fresh start in Phoenix where I can just Mm -hmm. grow up and be me. I didn't have to be associated with any type of person. I can just be myself. Right. What about the relationship with your little brother? Are you guys close there? Yeah, we're actually super, super tight. Okay. Is he in Phoenix or is he in Michigan? He's actually out here in Phoenix. Yeah, he's doing All right. good. Damon Lewis is doing great, doing great out here. So um, that's awesome. Well, let's kind of go to what actually led up to and what happened. Um, I know you said that you were watching a television show and it kind of led you to to write that letter can you share that with us 
Correct. Yes, ma'am. Um, I was actually in the midst of watching quite a few television shows who theme seemed to be, um, you know, a fatherless child or a, a, a mm -hmm. child not knowing who their biological father was. Um, but the two main shows that, that stand out in particular was a show called Survivor's Remorse, which was about a, um, a, a gentleman growing up and he's getting drafted into the NBA and he actually didn't know who his father was. And he was raised by his mother and uncle. Uh, which was kind of similar to my situation. And then there was another show called This Is Us, um, in which it's about a, uh, a, a an African-American boy who's adopted by, um, by a different type of family. And it's about his story kind of trying to figure out who his biological father was. And so um, I'm, I'm literally just watching uh, one of the shows, Survivor Remorse, and on one episode, it, he decided to you know, put his basketball career on hold and he decided to actually reach out and go find his father and uh, come to find out his father was actually in prison. And, you know, that scared him off for a little bit because he didn't want to figure out what his father was in there for. So he actually decided to, to write his father and he decided to take that leap of faith. And in the show, like it actually worked out great. He ended up finding out a bunch of information that he never actually knew. Um, he ended up finding out information about himself that he never knew. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to stop right there, and we are going to take a break. And when we get back, we will talk some more with George about yes, the letter that he wrote to his dad. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4 verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call one 888 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Hi. We're Hi. back. We're back. Yeah, with George Lucas. Hey, yeah. hey. Hey, hey. He was just talking about... Um, the letter about the television shows that encouraged him to, to write a letter. He found out an address of um, where his biological dad lived and um, just kind of share uh, about that. You talked about the This Is Us show and lead us back into that, George, please. Right. So, yeah. So, like I was saying, um, <clears throat> I was actually in the process of watching these two great shows, um, Survivor's Remorse and um, this is us. And both themes, like I was saying, just seem to be centered around children finding their actual biological father. So after I seen what happened in Survivor's Remorse and the gentleman actually reached out to his, to his father and got the positive feedback, 
um, the very next day I'm watching This Is Us and it was about the main character. He actually wrote his dad and he didn't get a response at first. And so that kind of, you know, made me think, well, what if this happened to me? Hmm. But as I kept watching it, um, the main character just decided to take a leap of, of faith and he found the address of his biological father and he decided to actually go out and find him and confront him himself. And once he did that, it actually built into a beautiful relationship. So, you know, I just I took both ideas and I decided, you know what? Hey, I'm going to want I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to go out and look for my father and I'm going to write a letter once I do and just hope everything goes back, goes good. And at that same time, um, I'm around the age of 25 and I have an uncle who's actually living in Michigan at this time. He decided that he wants to move out to Arizona, you know, just embark on a new career, look for different opportunities. So with open arms, I said, definitely, you could come stay with me. You could come live out here. Whatever it is that I can do to help, I'm definitely going to do it. So in the same in that same time frame, I'm deciding to write my father a letter. And in that letter, I basically was just letting my dad know, like, hey, I have information to believe that you're my dad. Like, um, this this is me. I also attached a picture in there as well, just so he had something to look at in case he wanted to say that there were some similarities or anything like that. But I basically um, I wrote my phone number in the letter and also wrote my mom's phone number in the letter. And I basically told him, like, there, there's no pressure. I, I don't I'm not asking you to be the father that you never were or I'm not asking you to be a father. I'm just looking for some sort of acknowledgement. And I, I wrote that letter and I sent it. And I, I, like I said, I was around the age of 25. Well, you fast forward about a year and um, I hadn't got any type of response back. I hadn't got a phone call or an email or anything. And um, again, I'm in Arizona, so he's in Michigan. So there's no way to really just go next door and go knock on the door, see what's going on. So I, I, I just had to play the waiting game. And after that year went by, I just finally gave up and I just decided that um, that I didn't want to try to pursue this anymore. And I didn't want to give too much of my energy into trying to find that. So I just focused on myself and uh, my uncle was living with me at this time and um, he's actually was a taxi driver. So I was just focusing on, you know, helping him learn out the city and showing him different ways around Phoenix, Arizona. And um, around about two months before uh, my 27th birthday, um, yeah, I'm, I'm at a friend's house and I get a phone call from my mom and my mom is basically telling me, um, have I talked to my uncle lately? And I let her know that, you know, I haven't talked to her all day, which is almost kind of weird since my uncle and I, we seem to talk daily and we seem to always be around each other. Um, but I, I let her know that, no, I haven't talked to her at that moment. I haven't talked to him at that moment. And she had told me that she had got a, a phone call from um, the, the cab company that he worked for stating that um, something just happened to him and that he's at the hospital. And so I'm completely taken, um, taken by shock at this moment. And I'm actually in California um, the moment that this phone call is happening. So when my mom calls and tells me that, you know, I hop on the road and I, I drive as fast as I can to get back to Phoenix. Um, my mom was, coincidentally, she was visiting Phoenix. She was out in Phoenix at that time. Um, so I hop on the road to, to, to go back to, to Phoenix and I get there and I get over to where my mom is at and my brother is there as well and they're, they're just sitting there with like a lifeless like look on their face and so I'm, I'm asking them to inform me and tell me what happened and that's basically when they told me that my uncle had actually just passed away about a couple hours ago so it mm -hmm. kind of take took me back a little bit mm -hmm. and I, I was caught off guard and then literally almost right on cue about 10 seconds later right after my mom delivered that message my mom actually gets a phone call and it was a weird number that she hadn't seen before. And um, she answered the phone and she's talking to the person on the other line. And I'm looking at her almost weird, like, mom, how could you be on the phone at a, you know, in a time like this? And so she hands me the phone. I'm like, okay, who could you be talking to that? You know, you're not trying to focus on what's going on. And I, I put the phone to my ear and I'm, I'm hello, who is this? And then that's when I heard for the first time of that this is your dad. And um, I'm, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to reach out to you any sooner. And um, I only have he only had a, about a minute to talk, but he mm -hmm. was just basically letting me know that he was sorry that um, he hadn't had opportunity to uh, 
to respond to that letter and stuff, but he had tried been trying to call me. But we only had about a minute to talk. So he handed me his information for me to reach back out to him and for me to call him and for us to reconnect. And so I hang, I hang up the phone and I want to say not even 10 minutes later, he ends up just sending me an email actually um, through my email address. And in my in that email address, it literally just gave me his point of view of what happened from the time that he wasn't around from when I was young up until the situation of where we're at now. And mind you, my uncle, I mean, my, my father has no idea of who my uncle even is. He's never uh, met him before. He didn't know what had just happened. Mm -hmm. He naturally just called just, just to call wow. him. It happened to be right there. I, if I remember, so then that started your relationship with your father. Correct. And, and so from that point on, where are you today with him? Oh, we're six Steve's now. Like, that's, I mean... Um, I was mentioning earlier that um, I was telling you guys that I, I'm, a, I'm a huge milk drinker. Like that's, mm -hmm. I go through milk like a gallon a day. And I, you know, for, for me personally, that was just one of the questions I just wanted to know. I, I, so now that I got you on the line and we're actually talking to you, I just want to know, like, are you a milk drinker too? And his answer was, oh man, I go through about a gallon a day myself. And it's just, from there, I just felt like everything was right. And it just mm -hmm. built into like a beautiful relationship. Mm -hmm. Talk all the time. Um, I actually went and seen him and um, he, he, I share a lot of his features. Let's just say um, the nickname for me, for his family, they actually mm -hmm. call me twin because they believe that um, I'm a twin of his. I'm literally oh, wow. identical. Mm -hmm. So where is his family? Have you, so obviously you've met them. Yeah. So a, a, a good, decent amount of his family lives in Michigan still, mm -hmm. but actually his sisters um, live out in Phoenix, Arizona. And two of his sisters actually been living here for about the last, I believe, 10 plus years. So it's actually been a coincidence that the time that I was out here looking for, you know, my biological father when I was a kid, you know, mm -hmm. a couple of my family members weren't, weren't too far away. Wow. So, um, yeah, so the family that I actually have here, um, I have an aunt, Sinitra, who and another aunt, Nikita, who are we're just super close and we just talk and and hang out and see each other all the time. And I have another aunt in Florida named Tina, who we're all just a super close now. So we're like we're one we're one big happy family now. And it just it feels great. So wow. do you have any brothers or sisters on from him on his side? Yeah, actually, I do. I have an older brother and I have a, uh, a younger sister. So that's actually quite great to, to be able to meet my other siblings as well. Are they in Michigan? They are. Everyone's mm -hmm. in Michigan. Everyone seems to be in Michigan. Mm -hmm. But that's OK, because at least you have somebody you can visit when you go over there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And now they have somebody to come visit if they ever want to right. come out to Arizona. Mm -hmm. Yep. See, I have family members in Michigan. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful place. I, I definitely wouldn't call no other place home besides Michigan. It's definitely going to always have a warm place in, in my heart. But mm -hmm. Arizona is where I'm at for now. Yeah. Michigan's a cold place in the winter. Yeah, Mich <laughs> Michigan's a cold place. I had uh, some of my family members who lives in Michigan. They actually came and, uh, and visited me around the time of what happened with my uncle and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I, they, they stayed and they were here in January and they, they just couldn't believe the fact that they were able to wear like shorts and flip right. and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. they're literally looking at some of our other families in Michigan who has been mm -hmm. bombarded with snow. So right. it's definitely a, a great different atmosphere. So what would you say to um, a person who would be in a similar situation as yours? I mean, and it's interesting because you began your story with, you know, the physical features that you did, did not connect with your um, the dad that was raising you, and you know even to the to drinking milk, and right. and what would you and now when you find your biological dad, not only do they call you twin, but he drinks a gallon of milk a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what would you tell someone that was in your situation that to do? Um, I would tell somebody first and foremost if I could actually speak to the parents because I feel like they're the ones that actually has the more powerful position. And I yep. feel like if you're a parent and you have a child that may be in a situation of mine, I, I can't speak for every child, but I could speak for myself. And I was young and I knew that 
something wasn't right. And I knew that mm-hmm. something was off. And the, the, the main thing for me was I wanted somebody to communicate what was actually going on, even if they felt like I was too young to maybe handle the information that was given. I felt like giving information that I'm maybe not ready to receive is better than being left without any information at all. And so if mm-hmm. I can tell anybody that's out in my situation, that's, you know, maybe doesn't know that their biological father or parents are, if you have the resources, if you have the opportunity, um, try, try to look for them, try to see what's going on. You never know. I mean, not everybody's story may be similar to mine and have mm-hmm. a great outcome, but I do believe that there is something that everybody can gain from reaching out and knowing who their, their, their parents are, their biological parents are. And I just think that would help anybody in their in their life and whatever they're going through. So it would be better for for a you're saying that so it'd be better for the child just to be upfront honest and say this is the way it is. Yeah, but I think okay. like I said I think it starts with the parents more. I mm-hmm. feel like if yep. a parent if a parent knows that their their child mm-hmm. is in this predicament mm-hmm. before the child even comes of age to realize what's actually going on as the parent, I, I know it may be tough to deliver, it may be hard to deliver, but I feel like as the parent, it is your job and is your obligation to provide that information to your child and let them grow up and let them make the decisions on how they want to pursue different things on their own. But mm-hmm. we'll just start with all the parents and just give those, ch- give the children the opportunity to know where they came from. Mm-hmm. I agree. I've always said that I think if a child's adopted out, that they have the right to know right? because I don't think that children should be, I don't think things should be secret because it causes problems for the kid. Yeah. And and, and most parents don't know that a lot of kids know more information than they think they do. Um, You think that you're, you know, withholding or you're trying to protect when your kid maybe already knows some information and they're trying to put things together and it could be all wrong. And because of you not providing that information that could help, they grew up and now maybe they have a certain outlook on certain situations all because a little bit of information just mm-hmm. got left out. Well, you know, God has created us with this sense of being between each other. Mm-hmm. And you, you know wh- who your parents are. Right. I mean, you just know that because you have that sense in your body. Right. And I believe that if, if a parent is lying to their child, the child's going to know that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, if it's a kid like me, they're, they're going to take that and they're going to hold on to that as they get older and they, they can, re- they're going to remember those, those lies and they will also remember the truth. So mm-hmm. it's up to you mm-hmm. on which one you want to deliver. So how has this, how has this affected you as, as you go into life? I don't, we don't, we don't even know if he's married. Are you married? No, I am not. No. Okay. So are you looking I am looking, yes. Okay, okay. So, I, I, all right, everybody. Okay, this is George Lucas. <laughs> he has a steady job. He's a neat guy. And yeah, you know, I'm a good I'm woman. Trying to make it. Um, but and yeah. We'll ha- and we'll have to interview you before you can go out with George. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Absolutely. But all kidding aside, how has your experience influenced you as as wanting to be a father or as being a father? Um, it's influenced me greatly in a sense, for one, I, I don't have any kids right now, um, but it's influenced me in the sense of, I know the importance of not just having a child, but actually being there for that child. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just being there by providing materialistic things like gifts or something like that, but actually your presence of being there. So with my situation, I think it's made it stronger for me to whereas whenever I have an offspring or I have a child or something, I'm going to do everything that it is in my power to make sure that I'll be a part of that child's life. And I want to be there through the good, the bad and, and whatever it is, just so that person knows that, you know, the person that they came from, you know, he's going to be there for you. And I think for me, that was my biggest thing because growing up, I always felt like I was different than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But if I would have known my dad, I wouldn't have felt so, so different because him right. and I are exactly alike. Hey, George, would you adopt a child? Actually, yes, I would in a heartbeat. Would you be honest to that child? I would. I would. And I think that's where it always starts from. At the end of the day, no child should be left in this world where they don't feel the the love from any parent or any person that they looked up to. 
But at the same time, I think we, we just got to be honest just so the kids don't grow up and have the, the thought that they were never told. So, I agree. So what, did that void of, of not belonging, did that void get um, filled on the day that your dad called or later on when, once you visited with your dad? Once I visited. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Once, once, once I actually saw him face to face and we hugged for the first time. Yeah. That was it for me. Okay. You know what? And I think if your mom would had told you all the way from the time you dad left, I think you wouldn't have been so searching. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, George, we appreciate you being on the show, even though we, you know, wrestled you into it. Thank you for your story though. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. Hey, for George. George, we love you. Yes, we do. Oh, and thank welcome, you. I love and, welcome as well. and welcome to the family. And we're remember we're every Tuesday morning at nine o'clock. We're talking to our boss, so you know oh, you can, oh, you can pop you. in and bug us. <laughs> thank you, love okay. you, ladies. All right, so next we want to get in here some advertising. Um, November first, which would be next Friday already, um, in 1952, we're going to share a story of how a baby girl born in Oklahoma was adopted at birth by a couple in Maryland. And her birth mom had already had one child, and she was single, and these two families were never, never met. They were total strangers, but she ended up from Oklahoma to Maryland. Also, then on on November 8th, we're planning on our second annual Vet Center show. Um, Annette will be calling in on that one. I'll be in on it by phone. Yeah, because she'll be in Kansas. so I'm going to try to do it by camera, but... We'll see what I happens. promise anything. All right. And that's on November 8th because the following Monday is um, Veterans Day. So this will be our second time to go to the vet center. And we always have fun there and good food <laughs> to eat. And then, all right. So November 15th, we are going to start a show. of. Uh, it's going to be a series of three. But on November 15th, there's a former sheriff officer who was charged with a crime he did not commit. Honest, we've talked with this guy, but he went to prison because he was not going to plead to a char- to a, lesser, to a charge. to a lesser charge or anything because he did not commit what he was charged with. So he went to prison, and he's going to be on our show, November twenty second, as a prisoner who um, actually became a Christian in prison, and he I think he was on manslaughter, and then November 29th, we're going to rerun our um, domestic violence show because of Thanksgiving. And then December 3rd, we will conclude our series with a third prisoner um, who was a Christian who made it in, made some poor choices, but he's in in prison. So that's our shows. Thank you for listening again. Thank you, George. And we will talk with y'all next, next Friday about a little girl born in Oklahoma and ended up in Maryland. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abadaddy Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend.